Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome to Fruit Loop Season Two, Episode Ten. Thank you so much for listening. We took a little break, uh, and we are back. Um, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. 
Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. <laughs> there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. Mm -hmm. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Mm -hmm. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294, and we may feature it on a future episode. Mm. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. That's right. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone, and you can find online at cash.me slash Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. And if you can't help monetarily, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our podcast with your friends. Yes. Yes. Do it. It helps us a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we are talking about Juana Barraza, also known as La Mata Viejitas, mm -hmm. the old lady killer. Mm, so... How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, although I'm still getting over a cold that I got right before Christmas, and oh, I've Lord. had going on for almost two weeks, so pardon me if uh -oh. my voice isn't quite up to par. I still have <laughs> a lot of phlegm. <laughs> I think you sound yeah. very nice. Oh, well, thank you. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I also, I got to spend two weeks with my daughter and grandson, and oh. we had a really good Christmas and did some fun things. We went to the zoo mm -hmm. and uh, Legoland Discovery Center in Tempe, which my grandson really loved. And oh. I had never been there before. It was pretty cool. The one at Eight Mills? Yeah, at Arizona Mills. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, my, my kids love that place. And we go to AZ Mills pretty regularly. And they're always like, let's go to Legoland. And I'm like, who's, you have Lego land money? No. Yeah. Do you have a Legoland job? <laughs> no. <laughs> My daughter found a Groupon. Oh. Um, it was for like a combo ticket with the uh, Legoland and the Sea Life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they upgraded her to an annual pass and she doesn't know how that happened, okay. um, but she wasn't going to ask any questions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she wow. was just like, okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's fucking so awesome. That was pretty cool. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> oh, so every time they come and visit you, you guys now have to go. Yep. Now we got to go. And my grandson loved it so much. He's, I know he's going to want to go yeah so oh that's awesome very appropriate because there's going to be a new lego movie coming out uh with emmett so i don't know oh if, is there i don't know if you've seen the previews yeah <laughs> um but i watch a lot of children's television so i have no choice oh yeah um and uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i think emmett is coming out 
sometime it's either the spring or the summer so you will have another excuse to go sweet those i like those movies they're pretty fun they are really yeah. the lego movies are great they <laughs> i mean i there's so many grown-up jokes that the the movies are really entertaining yeah. for adults too so yeah the kids like them and there's stuff for us too mm -hmm, yeah mm-hmm well, I'm really, really glad that you had a good holiday with your family. Um, I missed the shit out of you. <laughs> so I'm so glad you're I'm glad you're back, but I'm also glad that you had a great time with your family. So <laughs> Well, I missed you too. Oh, thank you so much. I missed doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too. Talking about nonsense and whatnot, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> so um I am doing good. Uh it's 20 motherfucking 19, y'all. Hip hop. <laughs> for 2019 we made it uh now i must wait we did it. gotta take a little time to reflect here because 2018 started out real good with black panther oprah's speech at the golden globes bay cella uh childish gambino song came out this is america but then 2018 fucked us all in the ass without lube with lube is oh is okay too i'm not trying to kink shame but uh <laughs> <laughs> the ch child separation nonsense, the Judge Kava hell nah bullshit, and oh yeah, my grandma died just before Christmas. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to things being better in 2019. Um, also, I'm on some new meds, so things are right. already looking up. <laughs> hey, so let's get started. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's uh, let's get into our mailbag. The angels are here. Oh, let's see what we got here. Oh, we got a lovely voicemail, but I'm not going to play it. Um, I'm just going to read it. And it's from Sue. Sue, you my boo, and we love you. Uh, <laughs> she asked us not to play her voicemail. So out of respect, we will not. But she did give us the okay to use parts of it. So we'll just tell you what she had to say, shall we? Um, also, Sue... If you're listening, I hate my voice too. Um, so she said, this is Sue. I'm one of your people on Facebook and one of your loyal listeners on Patreon. Thank you so much, girl. Um, but I did want to um, give you guys a call and let you know. I'm a paralegal and I was listening to what Wendy um what did I say? <laughs> what what Wendy said about um the prosecution and how they usually are shit. Uh I did say that. Uh, she wanted to give us an insider's point of view. So, Sue, thank you. She has friends on both sides and wanted us to keep a couple things in mind. Fair enough. Amen. Um, number one, she said most cases don't go to trial. She said 80 to 85 percent of cases settle out, which is a good thing uh, because she says when you have first time offenders, you want to give them a plea deal so that they have another chance to go out into society and be productive. Um, Sue said both sides actually agree with this, the, the defense and the prosecution. Sue mentioned having a friend who was a defense attorney who at uh, one point in um, her, this friend's career had no choice but to defend people who made his skin crawl. And um, Sue has known DAs who were crying with the victim because they believed the victim, but there just wasn't enough evidence to pursue a case on behalf of that victim. Um, Sue wanted to say 
Love your podcast. Um, thank you guys for turning me on to Affirmative Murder. You're welcome. She said, those guys are great. Agreed. And uh, she said, I love the fact that you guys give a lot of different recommendations. Um, Sue said she's one of those people. Um, she tries to learn about groups, uh, other groups that are different than her, marginalized groups, people of color and LGBTQ people. Um to uh, expand her horizon, she says. She is a straight white girl. And let me tell you something about Sue, because she's going to get all the hip hop air horns. And, and here's why, because <laughs> Sue gets it. Uh, hashtag be like Sue. Um, that's why we do this show. We get to learn about really important cases, share important stories, talk about interesting things, learn and have a good time. Celebration. Woo! Come on. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, Sue, for reaching out to us. We love you, girl. <laughs> yeah, great, great message. Thank you so much. And and I'm a straight white girl, too. So I, I get what you're <laughs> <laughs> and hashtag be like Beth. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I just wanted to give a shout out to our new patrons. We have two new patrons, Angel or Angel, I'm not sure, and Savannah. Thank you so Ooh. much. And Angel or Angel, I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, your okay. merch went out this week. And uh, yes. Savannah, we sent you an email to the email address listed on your Podbean patron. So if you want to take a look at that, we can send your merch. And uh, thank you both so much. Thanks Yes, again. we love you. We love you. Yeah. Hip hop everyone. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get into the story when we come back. We would like to invite any listeners who have a business to advertise to do it with us. For more information, please email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com or check out our website at fruitloopspod.com. So um, who's our subject today, Beth? Today we are talking about Juana Barraza. Uh, she was, or she is... Or she mm-hmm. was. I don't know. She's alive. <laughs> She's still, still alive. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was an us. amateur Mexican wrestler and serial killer dubbed La Mata Viejitas. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to forget again. You nailed it. La Mata <laughs> Viejitas. Okay. I'll, just, I'll just jump in every time. <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> There's going to be other ones too in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. I'm ready. <laughs> So La Mata Viejitas uh, translates to the old lady killer, which is what she did. She killed old ladies. And Mm -hmm. uh, she was sentenced to 759 years in jail for killing 11 elderly women. Uh, The first murder attributed to La Mata Viejitas has been Mm -hmm. dated variously to the late 1990s and to a specific killing in November of 2002. The authorities and the press have given various estimates as to the total number of the killer's victims, with estimates ranging from 24 to 49 murders. Oh, Lord. So now we are going to get into my favorite section, stats. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so... (laughs) 
Oh man, it's good to be back. Um, <laughs> Juana B- Barraza San Perios, aka Mata Viejitas, aka the Old Lady Killer, aka La Dama del Silencio, aka Silent Lady. That was her luchadora or, or her wrestling name. Um, victims, as Beth said, are up to 49, all elderly women. The names vary from source to source. Um, I I couldn't find their names, but thank God for Beth. She did. So we'll, sh- we'll, we'll, we'll list them later on in the episode. Um, but it is not lost upon us that these, these were women with lives and families who mattered. So uh, when we get to their names, we will um, have to keep that in mind. Her uh, modus operandi was strangulation with the use of women's tights, a curtain cord, a phone cable, or a stethoscope cord. Uh, the setting is Mexico City in Mexico, Central America, and the time frame of the murders was 1999-ish to 2000. It, uh, couldn't have been 2000. Yeah, I guess 2008. Yeah, 2008. Um, yeah, yeah. And the time frame, I must say, varies from source to source. We'll get into why the time yeah. line is so spotty later on. Yeah, a lot of the stuff actually varies. So um, yeah, it's hard to to nail down the actual facts, but mm-hmm. as usual, we try our best. That's right. So forgive us, sinners. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now we're go- now we're going to get into the early life of Senora Barraza. Um, so take it away, Beth. So uh, Juana Barraza was born in 1956, 1957, or 1958. Uh, She was Uh a teenage sex worker who was said to have been 13 when she met Trinidad. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Juana reportedly never learned to read or write much beyond her name. And media reports describe an early childhood in the charge of an alcoholic mother who beat her and eventually gave her away at the age of 12 or 13. Most accounts say that she was given to an older man named Jose Lujo in exchange for three beers. I'll Mm -hmm. say that again. In exchange for three beers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, versions vary, but uh, she was allegedly repeatedly raped by her new guardian for the next four years. Uh, Mm -hmm. And versions of her pregnancies also vary. One report was that she became pregnant at 13 and again at 16, and these resulted in miscarriages. But another was that one of these pregnancies resulted in her first child, a son. Uh, But Mm -hmm. while the details of her abuse differ, Baraza reportedly harbored deep resentment towards her mother for allowing the abuse to happen. Understandable. Understandably so, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Understandable. What was I watching where I heard that song? I I don't know. Anyway, so uh, Barasa's mother died in 1980 due to cirrhosis of the liver, of course. Barasa had a couple relationships with unreliable men, including an alcoholic man who beat her. Her eldest son died as a young man from injuries received when he was mugged. 
Her second child, a girl, married early and left home, although she stayed close to her mother's uh, modest ground floor rented flat on the very eastern edge of Mexico City, where Barasa lived with her youngest two children. Barasa said that she had seven children. I've I've heard um, various sources <laughs> that said numbers like she had some said she had four kids, um, but I watched um, a lot of documentaries in Spanish about her uh-huh. and they had interviews with her and she said, I had seven children. So I'm just going to go with her word. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Barraza seems to have supported her family through a mixture of domestic work, street vending, lucha libre, and petty theft. Uh, since she couldn't read or write and she was not taught many other skills, her options were very limited. Neighbors in her otherwise largely middle-class area described the children as friendly and their mother as always pleasant in passing. And by all accounts, she was a caring and attentive parent whose children loved her. Hmm. Barraza was an amateur wrestler under the ring name La Dama del Silencio, the Silent Lady. She had an obsession with Lucha Libre, a form of Mexican mask professional wrestling, and uh, Lucha Libre typically involves titanic battles it literally means free of like free of rules like libre means free or or or, uh, libertad or or freedom so literally no rules so anything goes um between fighters with cartoon character names and costumes who are identified as either technicos which are the good guys who fight by the rules or rudos who are villains who break the rules interviewed by a major television channel at a wrestling event just weeks before she was arrested barasa described herself as ruda en mi corazón which means i'm a ruda in my heart a villain in my heart and she was often seen in the front rows of the established arenas and also organized wrestling events for small town fiestas selling things to earn money for her family and occasionally fighting in the ring herself Stocky and strong, Barraza sometimes competed in the amateur circuit. She reportedly later told police she chose her title, La Dama del Silencio, uh, the Lady of Silence, because I am quiet and I keep myself to myself. Mm. The ring was also a place for her to take out her aggressions and have control. She was powerful and she used her large stature to her advantage. Mm. She showed it. Uh, So now we're going to get into the timeline. Um, The old lady killings began in the capital, that's Mexico City, in the late 1990s. At the time, Mexico City was considered among the most dangerous cities in the world. Mexico's capital is both the oldest capital city in the Americas, North, Central, and South America, and one of two founded by Native Americans, the other being Quito, Ecuador. The city was originally built on the island of Lake Texcoco by the Aztecs in 1325 as Tenochtitlan, which was almost completely destroyed in the 1521 siege of Tenochtitlan and then subsequently redesigned and rebuilt in accordance with the Spanish urban standards. Mm. In 1524, the municipality of Mexico City was established, known as Mexico Tenochtitlan, and as of 1585, it was officially known as Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City. Yes. Nailed it. 
Um, <laughs> Mexico, <laughs> Mexico City was the political, administrative, and financial center of a major part of the Spanish colonial empire. After independence from Spain was achieved, way to go, guys, um, the federal district was created in 1824. Now, I have been to Mexico City. I've also been um, north kind of by where... Um, uh, Barasa was was from. Um, and Mexico City is really a beautiful city. And that uh, area north, which is um, kind of a rural, rural-ish area, is um, really neat, too. Um, if you've ever, like, heard of the monarch butterflies, like, in their migration. There's, oh, they, yeah. They, they head that way. Um, and uh, it's a remarkable city, Mexico City. Um I was a teenager when I was there in the, in the late nineties. Um, and I was really wow. struck by, yeah. And like my, like all the parents, we went on this mission trip to build houses and work, um, work at an orphanage for a little bit. And, um, all the parents were like, should we maybe pick another city for the kids to go to? Cause they were all really yeah. scared, but, <laughs> but we went, we went anyway, but I was really struck by, I remember the, 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 I remember the town vividly and just being struck by the old Spanish architecture. So thanks colonizers and some of the preserved Aztec indigenous style culture, um, the modern parts, some parts were really, really, really poor. Um, and some parts were the complete opposite. So it was, it's just um it's a really neat it's a neat city even though it was a uh full of crime early in the year yeah so. <laughs> but uh, between 2000 and 2004 an average of 478 crimes were reported each day in mexico city the actual crime rate is thought to be much higher since uh most people are reluctant to report crime However, under policies enacted by Mayor uh, Marcelo Ebrard between mm -hmm. 2009 and 2011, Mexico City underwent a major security upgrade with violent and petty crime rates both falling significantly, despite the rise in violent crime in other parts of the country. Mm, interesting. And it, it, uh, I just wanted to point out that they um, attacked the crime in multiple ways, not just yes. increasing the police force. Yes. I hope our elected officials can think about can that. Yeah. Maybe take <laughs> notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of the policies enacted, including the included the installation of eleven thousand security cameras around the city and a very large expansion of the city police force. Mexico City currently has one of the highest police officer to resident ratios in the world, with one uniformed police officer per one hundred citizens. But, but remember, that's not the only thing that they did to help with the crime. Rate. Right. They did a lot of stuff. So the murder rate in <laughs> 2009 was 8.4 per 100,000. By comparison, that's higher than the 5.6 in New York City, but much lower than the 14.8 in Atlanta. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe it shouldn't be my dream city. <laughs> <laughs> you keep changing your dream cities. I, my dream cities. Oh man. <laughs> well, back to the drawing board. <laughs> I haven't made my vision board for 2019 yet, so there's still time to pick it, the right one. On yeah. yeah. As we go, as we go through these crimes, we can yeah figure yeah, out. Yeah, I can reevaluate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the. <laughs> 
Uh, so the brutal murders of elderly people in Mexico City began to increase in 1998, fueling press speculation about the existence of a serial killer dubbed El Mataviejas. And um, they used El, El is uh, indicating masculine or a male perpetrator. They assumed it was a dude. Um, however, Mexico City p police denied any connection between the crimes and a number of people were imprisoned for some of the murders um, before they got their shit together. <laughs> and uh, Baraza did not start as a killer. Uh, she was just looking for people to rob. Um, and there is a story that a couple of her children were robbed by a woman in a nurse's uniform. And this gave her the idea to begin robbing while wearing a nurse's uniform to uh, basically unarm people. But um, this is unconfirmed. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a story that I read somewhere. and um, mm -hmm. But she did wear a nurse's uniform in order to get her victims to trust her. Yes, indeed, she did. I, however, as a Black person in America, don't trust medical personnel at all. No. <laughs> Tus Tus Tuskegee experiments. Look it up. <laughs> uh <laughs> And on November 25th, 2002, Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya was murdered. She is Barasa's first known victim. Barasa gained entry to her apartment, most likely by using uh, the ruse of being a social worker or a nurse from the government health program. According to Barasa, Gonzalez made comments and Barasa considered that she considered derogatory. And they really pissed her off. Um, so... As one does, she beat Gonzalez before fatally strangling her with her bare hands. Yeah, mm. and uh, Barraza did not kill again for three months. And she might actually have been inspired to do it again because of the existing stories about the Matavia... <sighs> Mataviejitas. 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 Uh -huh. Mataviejitas. <laughs> yes. Hip hop air one have to for keep bed. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh because of the existing stories because these stories had been going back into the 90s and she may mm -hmm. not have been involved in those murders. Um they may have been just random murders. Um, oh, and interesting she, perspective. Yeah, she may have been inspired afterwards, after she killed mm -hmm. uh, the first one, um, mm -hmm. to uh, keep keep killing. Although, mm -hmm. um, that's just a thought. It could be um, that she was killing back in the 90s. But could the be. first one that we know of is the one in November, so... Anyway, okay. um, the crimes increased sharply after that murder, and mm -hmm. by November 5th, 2003, police had enough evidence and witness testimonies to believe that a serial killer was involved, and that it was a tall person who was mm -hmm. posing as a city council nurse or social worker to gain the victim's trust. Over the next year, Barraza easily entered the homes of females over the age of 60 by posing as a social worker, dropping by to do a wellness check. <laughs> of course. Once inside, Barraza would bludgeon her targets and strangle them with the nearest handy object. Telephone cords, stockings, or a stethoscope that she used as part of her costume uh, to uh, gain access. 
Right. And uh, Barraza seems to have been unusually methodical about choosing her victims. She managed to acquire a list of women who were on a government assistance program. Then she used this list to identify elderly women who lived alone and used fake credentials to pretend that she was a nurse sent by the government to check their vital signs. And this was actually due to a program that had recently been enacted um mm-hmm. and and there were actually people um from the government coming around and helping elderly people so it was not oh. unusual for them to to come to the door oh okay unannounced that i don't know but i yeah. i was reading that there was a government program that had been enacted so um barraza would then look through her victims houses for something to take with her though the crimes didn't seem to have been motivated by financial gain. Um, Barasa would, are you kidding? She had two two little kids at home. Of course they were. Barasa would only take a small memento from her victims, like a religious trinket. And in 2005, police in Mexico City warned that a serial killer believed to have strangled at least 24 old women in the capital since 2003 was likely to strike again soon. The police in Mexico City had not had a serial killer in decades, let alone a woman. Uh, Police said the murderer was probably a man dressed as a woman who conned his way into homes by pretending to be a social worker or a nurse. Okay, so they're onto something. Un aplauso for the police. Um, the killings, the killings were getting closer together, and there was concern that another murder was overdue. The head of the inquiry, Renato Sales, urged women over sixty living alone to avoid talking to strangers. He urged the public to watch out for elderly rel- relatives or neighbors accompanied by unfamiliar people. He denied a report that police had hired old women to loiter in shopping malls and park to trap the killer. They probably did, but he just denied yeah. it because didn't didn't want the uh, killer to, to know what they were doing. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Sometimes the police yeah. be shady that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't always tell the truth. <laughs> no, they do not. I know. <laughs> I'm familiar. <laughs> but police were actually heavily criticized for dismissing evidence of serial murders as media sensationalism until the summer of 2005. And on October 18th, 2005, Maria de los Angeles, rapper 92, was strangled in her bedroom. Um, so now we're going to get into the investigation and arrest. So police following the case had their own theory on who the killer was and what was driving him. I'll say it again. Him. According to criminologists, the killer was most likely a man with a confused sexual identity who had been abused as a child by an elderly relative. The killings were a way of channeling his resentment toward innocent victims who stood in for the person who had abused them. 
Eyewitness descriptions of a possible suspect reinforced this idea. According to the witnesses, the suspect had a stocky build of a man, but wore women's clothing. As a result, soon after setting an investigation in motion, the police incurred further criticism by launching what one journalist described as a ham-fisted and unproductive swoop on what was described as Mexico City's transvestite prostitutes. Um, should I Google what ham-fisted means, or do you know? <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's like a, like a bull in a china shop. Like, uh, your your hands are like hams. So they have no fingers, oh. you know. You're just like, like no, just out of control. messy just, and out of, yeah, oh, just, you can't, okay. not very, not very fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh... Welcome to Culture Corner with Wendy and Beth. So uh, I don't know if you just heard the, the term transvestite prostitutes. Now, this took place in the <laughs> 1990s when we did not have the luxury of using inclusive, decent language to describe human beings in our communities. A transvestite is someone who dressed as someone of the opposite sex. Now, they would most likely be referred to today as a queen or dressing in drag cross-dressing is a stretch. I think I kind of think that's offensive, but um, maybe some do not. But uh, today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was nice <laughs> to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. And then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? <laughs> Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, <laughs> while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if mm -hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy, in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store. One thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, it is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll mm -hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection. Download your favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic yeah. that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable 
affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided, it's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Your grandmother who still uses the word oriental might might be queen might be too much, but she might be comfortable saying cross-dressing. So transvestite is derogatory. Uh, also, we've talked about the use of prostitute before on the show, which is also derogatory. Sex worker is the appropriate term. Um, but many of our sources were written in the 90s and early 2000s. Again, we didn't have the luxury. So um, and uh, our sources derived also from publications in Mexico. Um, at the time, you know, we we didn't have these we didn't have these words that we have now. So now that we know better, we do better. Amen. Um, so if you hear us use those terms, it's because we're quoting from those sources, not because we're um, yeah. Unin- uninformed <laughs> assholes so <laughs> okay so i i'm gonna go off into a tangent uh oh please do <laughs> i i still i i remember the days when we referred to asians as orientals and mm-hmm. um and i remember telling a story um i was just talking about somebody and i said you know the the oriental lady and uh, mm-hmm. the person I was talking to uh, said, what is she, a rug? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's when I learned <laughs> that I wasn't supposed to use that word. <laughs> yes, but see, that's why you're such a dope-ass person, Beth. It's because you, you're willing to learn. Um, and shout out to the person who was comfortable enough they that you were a safe enough person to say i don't think that you should say that anymore that's, that's not uh, that's not right <laughs> yeah so where we work uh, an executive used that term around me and i oh, i wasn't in a um maybe 4 years ago um and uh this executive said that and like I I just can't believe I couldn't believe it, but I wasn't in a position um, or like I, I wasn't of a status to even like say you can't say that. Yeah, so that's that's I, word is I, I not had right. to let it slide. Yeah, I had to let yeah. it slide. So anyway, I think that's a good tangent. I mean, we're all learning all the time. And this yep, the executive time. was a very older person. And I don't know if this person would even be receptive to you know, times are changing. We're all getting better all the time. So maybe might serve you to not say that anymore. So anyway. Yeah, that executive might die soon. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are up there in age. 
So, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so the profiling that they did in these communities caused outrage and brought the police no closer to finding the killer, who was not a man, just as a woman. And mm-hmm. over the next few years, Baraza killed many more women, perhaps almost 50. Santa Maria. I know. Before they mm. finally caught a break in the case. By November 2005, the Mexican authorities were reporting witness statements to the effect that the killer wore women's clothing to gain access to the victim's apartments. In one case, a large woman in a red blouse was seen leaving the home of a murdered woman. And police caught a break when they found that the killer left a full fingerprint at the house of a woman whom the police believed was a prospective victim. She survived. The son of, of that woman had dropped in and spotted someone fleeing. That print was matched to partial prints from five other slangs. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, we're getting somewhere, but they didn't have her prints on file because uh, she had never been arrested for anything. So they couldn't find her yet. Okay. A major breakthrough in the case occurred on January 25th, 2006, when a suspect was arrested from the home of the serial killer's last victim, Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro, who lived in Venustiano Carranza, a borough of Mexico City. Barranza strangled the 82-year-old woman with her stethoscope. As she was leaving the scene, a woman who was renting a room in the victim's home returned and found the body. She immediately called the police, and with the help of the witness, the police were able to arrest Barranza before she left the area. Ooh, thank goodness. All right. Barasa closely resembled a model of the killer's features, which showed La Mata Viejitas with close cropped hair that was dyed blonde and a facial mole. Look, <laughs> you'll see her pictures on our website. The mole is pretty big and was carrying a stethoscope, uh, pension forms. And she was also carrying a card identifying her as a social worker when she was detained. During questioning, Barasa confessed to having strangled at least one woman, stating that she committed the crime out of a sense of anger at elderly women in general. But according to Juana, she wasn't the only person behind the killings. After being confronted by the press, Baraza asked, with all due respect to the authorities, there are several of us involved in extortion and killing people, so why don't the police go after others, too? Hmm. She 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 said a she said a lot of um wild things in the press. Yeah, she did. She's she, I think she was pretty full of shit. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a different story. Every interview she gives Every is a different time, story. Yeah. Um but what is really interesting, I should have put this in the takeaways, is every interview or shot she's in almost like in the beginning she's wearing a red sweater or a red jacket oh wow <laughs> so the, the i don't know i don't know i don't know what that was about but um according to the police juana barraza acted alone they could match her fingerprints uh that were left behind at the scenes of multiple murders and while ruling out other possible su- suspects great police work with the evidence they collected, police were able to charge Barasa with 16 different murders, but she was believed to have killed up to 49 people. Oh boy, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I, I don't even have 49 anything, let alone victims. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
Now we're going to get into the trial. So take it away, Beth. So Barraza was tried in the spring of 2008, and the prosecution alleged that she had been responsible for as many as 40 deaths. But she only admitted to one murder, that of Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro on March 31st. (laughs) (laughs) On March 31st, 2008, she was found guilty on 16 charges of murder and aggravated burglary, including 11 separate counts of murder. I don't know what my problem is with talking today. (laughs) You need to do some vocal warm-ups. Vocal warm-ups. Mama. (laughs) 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 we're so crazy <laughs> oh this was fun i missed this okay so <laughs> here are the names of the victims they matter um Alicia Cota Ducoin, Alicia Gonzalez Castillo Ana Maria de los Reyes Alfaro Ana Maria Tecate Carreto Ana Maria Velázquez Díaz, Carmen Cardona Rodea, Celia uh, Villalis Morales, Delfina González Castillo, Dolores Concepción Silva Calva, Emma Armenta Aguayo, Emma Reyes Peña, Estela Cantoral Trejo, Gloria Endina Rizo Ramírez, Guadalupe González Sánchez, Guadalupe Oliver Contreras, Guillermina León Oropesa, Julia Vera Duplan, Lucrecia Elsa Calvo Morraquín, Margarita Arredondo Rodríguez, Margarita Martel Vázquez, María de la Luz González Anaya, María del Carmen Camila González Miguel, María del Car- Carmen Muñoz Cote del Galván, María de los Ángeles Cortes Reyonoso, María de los Ángeles Reper Hernández, María, de, de lo- María Dolores Martínez Benavides, María Elisa Pérez Moreno, María Guadalupe Aguilar Cortina, María Guadalupe de la Vega Morales, María Guadalupe Núñez Almanza, María Imelda Estrada Pérez, Natalia Torres Castro, Simona Bedoya Ayala, Socorro Endena Martínez Pajares. Um, So uh, those are the victims. Speak their names. They matter. Those are some of the victims. Yes. Those are the ones that we mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And there may have been more. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, but if you guys know any, mo- any more about this case, these victims, victims we didn't talk about or name, please get at us. Hit us up in our Facebook discussion group, y'all. Yep. We would love to know more about the victims. Oh, yes. Um, as always. So uh, where are they now? Well, Barraza was sentenced to 759 years. Oh, my. But eventually she had a lawyer who got her sentence reduced by 50 years. So, you know. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was a big fat waste of time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do I have to pay this legal bill for this? <laughs> In uh, 2015, she got married in prison to another inmate, a man named Miguel Angel, a 74-year-old fellow convict who is serving a sentence for murder in the men's section of Santa Martha Acatitla Prison. 
Sounds like a match made in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, took a well, well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's <all> right. <laughs> Where Baraza is also confined. He courted her for time through letters. I think it was a year. And mm-hmm. then they were married, along with 48 other couples who took their vows at the prison. After the collective ceremony, prison officials provided food, music, and cake during the reception, according to a statement. Mm. The marriages are part of the Mexican government's program called Lazos and Reclusion, Mm -hmm. Bonds in Confinement, which helps inmates forge personal relationships with each other. Now, I got to say, I think this is a good idea. Um, Because... It gives the inmates something to look forward to. We've talked about different ways that the United States can improve their prison system. Right. I don't. I think this sounds neat. So yeah. I mean, I don't say. I'm not saying we have to do it here. I just think it's an it's a neat idea. So yeah. Um, Barasa and Angel's story was given massive publicity and treated like a great love story, but they had never set eyes on each other before their wedding day, and once they wed, their relationship did not work. Once we saw each other, the love vanished, Mata Viejitas told a deputy. During their year-long marriage, they only saw each other three times for a total of 40 minutes. Barasa currently works in the prison, and she sells tacos a couple days a week. Um, she reportedly seems happy. She'll She's seen, you know, dancing in prison. And until recently, she had no episodes of violence. But uh, she got in a fight with another female inmate she said the other girl started it of course she said that (laughs) um so she um has a little posse of a few gals that like follow her around in the prison um and she said that she obviously misses her kids she misses her grandkids um currently her version of the story is she never killed anyone in fact she was like look i I'm in this prison with lots of old ladies. I haven't killed one of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, okay, good logic. Uh, so I don't know if you've noticed, but Rasa changes her story lots of times. So, you yeah, know, that's what her story is today. She never killed anybody. <laughs> yeah, so. so it's it's really hard to know exactly what the facts are uh, as far as like her early life and mm-hmm. lots of other things. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. really pin it down because she she does change her story a lot. She does. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, now we're going to get into the part of our story where we talk about what we think made this person snap. Take it away, Beth. Well, uh, Miguel Antiveros, the criminologist associated with the case, uh, believed that Barraza was so damaged by her experiences that she ended up targeting old ladies because she identified them with her mother. But Barraza's own relationship with her four children, um, in light of that, seems mm-hmm. remarkably stable. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to her lawyer, the accused is proud to say she has kept things going on her own. She is proud of being both a father and a mother to her children. And that is really interesting that mm-hmm. um, as far as we know, she was a good mother. Yeah, as far as we know. And that is that is really interesting. We don't see that um, in cases where somebody suffered terrible abuse, kills people and 
doesn't also um, abuse their own family. Yeah, they usually end up uh, abusing their children as well. Mm -hmm. But as far as we know, she did not. Yeah. So very interesante. Um, Psychologist uh, Feggy Ostrowski. She's uh, uh, she is a Mexican like uh, famous. She's like I I, I was under the impression she's like a Nancy. What's that? White lady who can't stop smelly shit on uh, all those true crime docs. Nancy. Nancy Grace. Yes, she's like a she's like a Mexican Nancy Grace, <laughs> but um, way more attractive and way smarter. <laughs> um, so she studied her brain, and they found her um, that Barasa's brain had um, dysfunction in the frontal lobe, and that she did not process emotions normally. Um, Juana was Juana Barasa was physically, emotionally, and sexually abused when she was very young. Her brain was developing under terrible conditions, and also. Um, the wrestling, very violent, very physical. And could CTE be at play here? The chronic traumatic encephalopathy, encephalopathy that we've heard so much about in recent years because of NFL players losing their minds. The disease can only be diagnosed post-mortem and is common again. Um, approximately 90% of the NFL players who have allowed their brains to be donated to science have it. Um, I saw in one documentary, the doctors who were studying her noted the toll that wrestling took on her body and her mind, and they predicted that if she were to have continued the lucha libre activities, she would have ended up an invalid. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that uh, wrestling was so violent. I thought it was uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of wrestling that we have here. Well, I know part of it is scripted, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently um, they're, they're a lot more violent than uh, yeah. our wrestling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's my impression now i've i've seen because <laughs> when you go to the swap meet in glendale <laughs> they have lucha libre there do they really yeah they do i've never been paying attention to what they're doing i mean it's just it's just like kind of background noise while i'm shopping yeah but like so you know next time i go i'm gonna have to take a closer look at like take a look is, yeah is it yeah because i always I thought know. it was just silliness like like yeah. our wrestling that's yeah. what I thought too. So I'll have to take another look at that. Um, yeah. So uh, now we are going to talk about our takeaways. I'll start. Uh, so I was thinking about um, the dates, the dates that were um, not necessarily confirmed, but the dates that we did discuss in the story were really close to Dia de los Muertos um, in November. Uh, is it November 2nd, I believe, is yeah. Dia de yes. los Muertos. Yes, when the dead are honored and people do their ofrendas in their home and they celebrate their loved ones who are no longer with us. And given how much Barasa hated her mom and the tragedy that she experienced in her life and the struggle, maybe the holiday just infuriated her and everybody else celebrating and having fun and loving on their dead family members just like made her so mad um, that she, she just became enraged. I don't know. Um, but she was an individual who was full of rage, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. And so I hear in my head, Beth reminding me, her upbringing is an explanation for her behavior, not an excuse. So <laughs> those are my takeaways. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> I'll listen to you once in a while. <laughs> 
So my, my takeaway is that this story is pretty sad, really, yeah. all the way around. From mm-hmm. the abuse, it seems that Juana and probably also her mother endured. Yeah, um, since like her it. mother was a teenage sex worker, she probably didn't have a very good life either. And mm-hmm. uh, she probably took to alcohol because she couldn't deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. No excuse for her behavior towards her daughter. But uh, it sounds like everybody had a shitty life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so from from that abuse and uh, to the murder of little old ladies, and uh, how we couldn't really find much information about the victims except their names. I mean, most of them, we couldn't even find out when they were murdered. Right. Um, just, just a few of them, we found out when they were murdered. The other ones, we don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but the, the one bright spot, as we mentioned earlier, is that it seems that Juana did not uh, abuse her own children. So that's good. Yeah. Um, that is very good. Un aplauso, Juana. Yeah, for that very good. <laughs> for that, for that, yes. Yeah. And also, most of the news stories that I read sensationalized the crimes. Um, I'm guessing because Juana is female and the mm-hmm. whole lucha libre angle. Uh, I just, that you know, people find that weird and fascinating. Uh, but Sometimes. I wish they had spent even just a little bit of time on the victims. Same. Same girl, same. Yeah. So now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. So... <clears throat> <laughs> If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode, and then we'll just offer up generic tips. That is correct. So here's what I have um, brewed up after uh, studying this case. Uh, First, safety in numbers and stay connected to your community. Many of the elderly women... uh, killed lived alone and one of the reasons why we don't know the exact dates that they were murdered is because their bodies were not discovered immediately that could have been due to the fact that they lacked connection with their community know your neighbors and call your grandmother for god's sakes don't (laughs) let somebody in your home if you're not expecting them if they have not adequately identified themselves badge id etc and also Trust your gut. Beth, Beth says that all the time. Um, I see. I'm listening, Beth. <laughs> um, I I never ever answer the door for anyone, even if they're my friend and I know them, and they did not call or text first. Get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You should have called me. You, um, <laughs> you didn't call me. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways to get a hold of me. Call, text, message me on Facebook. Come on. What are you doing here at my doorstep? 
get out of here. What do we live in? 1912? <laughs> no, come on, bitch. It's 2019. <laughs> so, uh, so you're not getting in if you didn't ask me ahead of time. So uh, also, if you live alone or like you leave your home, try to create the illusion that there are people that are around by playing music, playing the radio and keeping the TV on. Criminals might still break in if they think they won't be noticed. And and we saw in this case, there were some people who w- were would-be victims who somebody showed up and she left. Remember that house where her fingerprints were found? And, yep. and that Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but the sound of voices can be a deterrent. So, look, the energy bill is going to suck to have to pay, but you'll still get to live. So, leave your radio and your TV <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> last thing I'll say is stay informed. Barasa scammed her victims into letting them in her home. And there are many scams these days internet scams, deadly scams, phone scams. And we hear, unfortunately, that elderly people are the most vulnerable to these and to to succumbing to them. Um, and one thing I, I found out that I didn't know, uh, somebody that we work with was telling me that she's a member of AARP and that they notify their members of scams that they know of. Um, so to, to keep help, to keep people, you know, aware so that they don't fall victim to this bullshit. Yeah. So um, yeah. find a loop and stay in it. <laughs> And that's all all really great advice. I can't really think of anything else to add to that. So thanks, Wendy. You are very welcome, Beth and listeners. So um, now we're going to get into some serial killer and crime news. In Blavity News, which is an online newsletter for people of color, uh, a New York City man made a citizen's arrest after a woman hurled racial slurs and attacks at fellow subway riders. 40-year-old Anna Lichten, ah, who gives a fuck, boarded a New York City subway train <laughs> not long after, after she began cursing at another woman. In footage cap- captured by fellow writer Juan Ayala, the woman appeared to ignore Lista, whoever your name is, until the 40-year-old hit her phone out of her hand. This was an Asian woman she did this to. So the white lady swats the Asian lady's uh, phone out of her hand. From there, the Lusta racist, uh, I can't pronounce her name, nor do I care to, increased the intensity of her attack by kicking the woman the Asian woman and hitting her with an umbrella as other passengers tried to get her to stop the victim of the attack. Crazy bitch. Wild attempted to defend herself. Bystanders worked to separate the two women. However, things escalated again when Lusta go fuck yourself. Who is white called the other woman (laughs) who is of Asian descent, an effing C word, not the, not the C word we're used to hearing these days as it's the racial slur used to refer to people of Asian descent, that C word. Yeah. Uh, later during the ride, Lush Ho, I don't give a hoot, directed her insults toward Ayala, likening him to Mohammed Atta. Now, Mohammed Atta was one of the ringleaders behind the deadly September 11th uh, terrorist attacks in New York. Um, according to the Gothamist. Uh, the incident ended with Ayala, Ayala when Ayala accused Lushtin racist lady of spitting at him. Uh, he told her he is not the one, swept her to the floor, restraining her and making a citizen's arrest. Woohoo! <laughs> Hip hop air horn. 
kind of a weak one. Sorry, guys. Um, so he made a citizen's arrest. He restrained her until the police arrived. Now, this story was pretty upsetting, but also uplifting because in the face of racial violence and hatred, good people not only defended the victims of it, but fought it and put a stop to it, which is not always an easy thing to do. So hip hop air horns to all of those people involved. Oh man, they really, they really came through. They really came through for those, um, those victims on that train. And I just thought that was so fucking dope. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now we're going to get into the section of our show where we um, shout out any um, true crime goodies or any goodies um, by people of color or anybody from any marginalized groups. Basically, any tr- any goodies from anybody who's not a white dude, a straight white dude. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, di- I did. You have anything, Beth? That you? Uh, I don't. Wanted? I okay. saw that you had stuff, so I was going to let you go with it this time. Okay, good. I because uh, so the episode's not too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, th- okay, I have a few. So I'm, I'm going to try to get through this fast. The first one I wanted to shout out was The Horror of Dolores Roach. It is a fictional horror slash crime story audio drama. It's a podcast about black and brown people in New York with a diverse set of characters, actors, and compelling, really compelling characters. Dolores herself is played by Daphne Rubin Vega, who's a Panamanian American, and the creator is Aaron Mark. Um, Dolores is a mixed race. The character herself is is a mixed race Afro Latinx female who just got out of prison after 16 years. And she uh, goes back to her old uh, neighborhood to look for her ex-boyfriend whom she took the rap for. She returns to her hood in New York. And it's been severely gentrified. And she connects with an old friend. And what ensues includes love, weed, cannibalism, murder. (laughs) And it is so juicy and sexy and intriguing and entertainment. It has some twists and turns. It's like nothing I've ever heard before. I listened to the whole damn thing in one afternoon. It was awesome. So shout out to. That sounds great. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. The horror of Dolores Roach. Check it out. And then um, we still got we still got a little bit of time. So I wanted to shout out a couple of my relatives. I was with my family this past week because my grandma had her funeral, and um, we are all first generation Americans. Our moms are all immigrants, and. My, me and my cousins are killing it in terms of we're all creatives which is kind of cool because my grandma was a writer um so take that nine um remember that's how i refer to 45 right so, just add them together uh yeah so take that nine uh where's my gunshot at um, so <laughs> I have one relative who is in a band called the smokes shout out to the smokes. Um, they, uh, have a really dope song, which is my favorite. I've been playing it, uh, for the past couple of days. It's called, Hey man, can I call you the N word? <laughs> it's really catchy. You can find their songs on Bandcamp, and you can also find the smokes on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Uh, second, I have, yeah, I have another relative who is one of the founders of Poppy Juice. Ever heard of it? Uh, no. <laughs> it, it is a Brooklyn-based danced party and kiki. Kiki's like a, a, 
a party. When you kiki, you, you, you have fun with somebody. Celebrating queer and trans people of color and the folk who love them. Poppy Juice is committed to being an intentional space for queer and trans people of color. Now, spoiler alert, there are little to no safe spaces for LGBTQ people of color in particular to party and have fun and feel safe. Um, and, uh, gosh, Pulse nightclub example a um so yeah uh, so this is up up they they create parties they're 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 djing they they, oh man they're they're having so much fun out there so shout out to poppy juice um and you can find everybody on instagram the smokes and poppy juice so that's awesome indulging me yeah it's really cool uh so uh what's next (laughs) uh so beth where where can the people find us (laughs) our website is fruitloopspod.com our facebook page is fruit loops pod and our discussion group is fruit loops pod discussion on facebook we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page, and this will help us pay for things like our website and pod house and there's no minimum and no commitment and even a dollar would help it would and thank you all for rocking with us we really appreciate it we love you so much we're glad to be back and stick around um this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every thursday so until next time look alive guys it's crazy out there It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule, history so interesting, it's criminal.